It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we do the best we know how to illustrate, uh, help you understand who we are as spiritual, intellectual, physical, and emotional beings. And um, we are four in one. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Um, I work with people still as a clinical therapist and uh, you know, work with them to understand how sometimes their limiting beliefs uh, create the problems that they currently are dealing with in their life. Um, I have as a returning guest with me today, Keith Long. And uh, before we get started, I, I wanna mention to you that uh, there are, I think, 25 pages of shows now up on the um, website. So if you go to www.SynergyConnectionRadio.com and go into that under show notes, that's where all of the shows have been archived. Of course, if you're listening on the podcast, there's well over 150 shows or so there now as well. So I've kept the shows from the original, which is almost five years old now, and uh, we just keep marching forward. Uh, the guests that I have, I, I believe, are extraordinary individuals who contribute to the understanding of who we are as these very complex uh, beings and, you know, hopefully help you understand yourself better. Um, when you get to the website, there's also a link that goes into Boomers Forever Young. And I've used their products for the past five years. And if you decide after looking at their uh, website and maybe reading their testimonies and looking at the blogs and they have all kinds of videos and even recipes now on how to use these products to stay healthy, uh, we're not over COVID. In fact, I, I laughingly had said, I am never getting it. And lo and behold, I did. Um, and I've recovered, um, but I attribute my recovery in a major part to using uh, sound nutrition and always watching my health. So um, if you purchase any of the products on Boomers, want to try them, I highly recommend their barley because it removes toxins from the body. It rebuilds muscle. Uh, it reduces inflammation and every disease begins with inflammation. But um, if you do use any of the products, just type in my first name, L-U-C-Y, into the discount uh, code area, and you'll get $5 off of your purchase. Okay, so I'm going to come back with Keith. And like I said, he's been a guest here before. He's got some pretty exciting things that he's doing right now. And we're going to be talking about critical thinking skills um, so Keith is a Harvard Neiman Foundation scholar. Um, he also does um, instruction for attorneys. And I think it's at Stetson, isn't it, Keith? Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I mean, that is a very well-known law school. Um, obviously, you write. And um, I know you're going to share a little bit about your new book on Casey Anthony. And um, I guess you're going to be doing uh, classes or are doing classes on LinkedIn with the actual topic that we're talking about today, which is critical thinking skills. So welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. It's always nice to uh, see you again and talk with you. Oh, thanks. And, and your um, audience. Thank you. Um, so 
first of all, I guess you've been working on this book about Casey Anthony for years now, right? I have, yes. And um, so it's almost ready to be launched. Is that what I'm understanding? Yep. Very last pages, uh, just getting it ready for the audiobook um, um, final uh, steps and then the um, publishing of the print book. So that has got to be super exciting for you after all this time. I know when, when my book was finally out, it was a very exciting time to, to see it actually hold it in my hands, um, you know, have people enjoy it. So uh, this will be quite an eye opener as to, you know, was KC guilty or not? Well, I mean, that's uh, that's the whole story. And the book really has written itself. Um, and what I did was I just uh, started reading the evidence files from the trial and the uh, courtroom and let that write the narrative. And I, I used a narrator uh, from the evidence files. Uh, Zanny the Nanny uh, was a person that was mentioned throughout the court record and the trial record. And so I decided to use her as the narrator of the book. So she is the one that tells the story and it turns out that Zanny the Nanny was a fake. Really? Yeah, Zanny the Nanny never existed. Holy cow. She was a lie created by the whole family. To protect Casey? No, to protect somebody else. All right. And you think you know maybe who that person is? Yeah, and right. And the uh, final chapter is, is entitled, the title is Clarity. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea for the book is to provide clarity to that story. And uh, that's what I do in the final few pages. I identify based on the evidence and, and information developed by detectives and put in the record. There is a, um, somebody who killed the two-year-old child, Kaylee, uh, there is somebody who covered up her death for six months, didn't even report her missing for 30 days. And there was a reason why all of that was done. It wasn't just like, it just kind of happened. There was a purpose behind it. Uh -huh. And that was all by a member of the family, or by members actually. And so it's, I call it the, the greatest hoax in American criminal uh, history, which it was. It was a deliberate hoax by the family on the media, law enforcement, and the public. And it worked? Oh, it works, uh, yeah, because the, the killer has never been identified or held accountable. Do you think that'll always be the case? Uh, it depends on the public reaction to the book. Uh, so I identify the killer, I identify the reason, I identify all the supporting information to explain why this person killed the, um, a member of, of the family who was two years old, how that person was groomed the child, uh, and the child trusted this person and then killed her and then covered it up. And there was a reason for all of that. So it's not just like, oh, it just 
speculation is all developed from the court record. And uh, if, you know, so it depends on the, it depends on the prosecution, whether they want to uh, retry the case or reopen it or not. Typically, um, so I'm, I teach lawyers, I'm, I rub elbows with them, I know what their culture is. Mm -hmm. And among the prosecution culture, they don't like to, to follow their own nest, so to speak. <laughs> so they don't like to call attention to errors. Right. And there was an error because I got the information from their records and it was there in front of them. And, and they, they didn't see it? Yeah, they, well, they, um, they had their own um, um, perspective operating and that was the one they were going to pursue. And so, and so it, mean, it needs somebody to come in and, and kind of redo, do a redo. Isn't and, this part of the reason that people get convicted of crimes that they actually didn't do because the prosecution, if you will, has their own agenda and oh. that's what they want to pursue. Yeah, that, that is a, it's not just occasionally um, something that happens. It's part of the culture in the court system and in prosecution um, and people in that space are aware of that. And for example, criminal defense lawyers, even former prosecutors are aware of it. It's just like their, it's their, um, it's their business environment. And, uh, and so- That is so wrong though, because you and I both know, I mean, you should be innocent until proven guilty. And yet they make the decision that you're guilty and then go about proving that from their perspective. Yeah, they look for, um, yeah, in the Casey Anthony case, of course, it was she was low hanging fruit, uh -huh. and also she contributed to the cover up of her daughter's death. So it wasn't like the she wasn't a, a top suspect at all, and and they kind of went after her. It was like she presented herself as as low hanging fruit, and uh, she invited prosecution. It just so happened that that there were there were plenty of other uh, reasons to look beyond her. But that was the easiest place to look. Yeah, and they had a, I mean, she was the most hated woman in America. They had a, they had a gift for prosecution and conviction. And that is what the business of prosecutors is. It's to, it's to try and convict and to punish people who break the law. But sometimes the innocent get thrown in there too. Well, I mean, yeah. And, and the way the system works is that prosecutors will elevate charges in the law against somebody in or, and charge somebody with, let's say, first degree murder when, they, when the evidence is, and they know the evidence is, is not supporting that. But they do that uh, in order to gain a plea deal to something that makes their world a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's part of the culture that exists. And so um, it all kind of makes sense. It's all not, not surprising, really. Right. And, yeah. It's kind and, of that slam dunk. I think a lot of, uh, I mean, we have so many attorney firms, law firms out there that, um, you know, have to compete with one another. And I do believe that, you know, when you go seek legal advice, 
their objective as they're listening to your case and whether they take it or not is how easy is this going to be to win and how much effort do we put into it to win and if it looks pretty easy and you have low hanging fruit as you said then you know it makes it a whole lot more uh, maybe equitable for them to take the case because they know it's not going to take a lot of their time and it's going to reward them financially you know in a way that makes sense so I was going to ask you, isn't this a lot of this, um, our topic today of critical thinking, isn't that kind of what law firms do is they use critical thinking skills to go through whether they accept a case or not. And like with your book, you had to use critical thinking skills to process all of this about Casey Anthony. Yes, uh, very much so. And um, of course, critical thinking is... um, there's a lot to understand how to effectively think about and use critical thinking in your life, uh, both in terms of personal relationships, uh, business, uh, if you're in the law, how to approach the law and, uh, and, uh, and defense or prosecution. And uh, so, uh, critical thinking, uh, if I were to describe it, it's, it's I would call it nonlinear. And, um, and I know uh, in, in, uh, in the world that, that you occupy, there's a lot of interest in, in, in the universe and universal values and relationships that are consistent with, uh, with uh, truths and, uh, and, uh, and, let's say principles that work in the universe, so to speak, to use that term. And uh, the idea of critical thinking is to understand that, that our, our understanding of, um, of what is, of what is uh, valuable and what is truth and what is a good principle can change. Mm-hmm. And it changes uh, from generation to generation. Look at the way we just we've changed our evaluation of race, gender, and and uh, and many other things, um, just in generations. Yes, yeah. And so uh, and so that is to me that's something that critical thinking takes into account, and 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 it understands that the the world that that we live in is is changing, and 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 so. I approach it as to look at uh, understanding the contemporary world, the current world, as a world that is in change. And instead of applying a template to that world and expecting it to be that way, for example, instead of a, instead of thinking about the justice system as okay, the police have nabbed somebody, they arrested that person. They, uh, they claim to have found evidence and they're going to convict that person and they wouldn't have done any of that if the person really wasn't guilty. And so, and so a jury goes in there with that attitude and they're basically looking for a reason to confirm the charges against somebody because that's their orientation. In other words, the police do God's work, so to speak, they keep these dangerous people off the street. They, they arrest them. Now they're going to convict them and put them away for a certain amount of time. And 
none of that would happen if they weren't in some level guilty. So when, when a jury, let's say, starts with that orientation, it's because they believe that the justice system, in air quotes, uh, functions well, it protects us, we depend on it, it's up to us to reinforce it, and we support what the people who run the justice system are giving us as, as truth, as, as, as fact. And so our role is to kind of, you know, be supportive of that. So the way I would describe that as a critical thinker is, well, uh, not so fast. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we need to, you know, back up a little bit and take a real hard look at that. Yeah. And um, but I mean, it's 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 definitely I mean, that's the way a lot of people. That's the reason you get. Um, uh, juries either acquitting or convicting somebody and somebody who's observing that says, well, how in the world could they do that? For example, Casey Anthony, how could they acquit somebody like her? And, uh, and so she should have been convicted. She was certainly guilty and she was a terrible mother and she didn't seem to care. And so she should have been convicted, period. So a critical thinker would say, I don't know any of that. I don't really know any of that until I look at the facts of the, of the case uh, objectively and critically in the sense that I'm not going in with a point of view. So I may not like somebody and they may look certain ways and they may have a lifestyle that I think is really bad. And that might be true, actually. They might be drug users or have a criminal history of theft and of this and that. And therefore they're coming in accused of this crime and basically they deserve it. So a critical thinker would say, I don't think that's my attitude. Uh, I think my attitude is the accusation is this, the evidence is this, do they match? Mm -hmm. and if, if they don't match, the judge is telling me to apply the, the law to the facts that I hear. And if there is any doubt, then my role is, according to the judge, is to acquit. So that can be a very difficult thing for somebody uh, who has this intuition that says, I really don't like this guy, and I, th I think he probably was guilty, but the thing of it is, they didn't prove it. Or I have doubt. And if there is doubt, you can't really go with they're guilty. Yeah, they, and of course, defense lawyers... They, they, it's an interesting thing for a defense lawyer. So they will, uh, they will be hired by a client and they may believe that their client is guilty. And so uh, a person, a critical thinker would say, well, how do they go about doing their job if they actually believe, for example, Aaron Hernandez was a football player uh, that Jose Baez, um, the attorney for Casey Anthony, defended successfully and on, on one charge against murder. And 
And the evidence was appeared to most of the commentators was that he was guilty. He was that kind of a person. Uh, so, so I asked myself as a critical thinker, how does bias, how does bias live with himself to go to a court and a jury and say, acquit this man after the evidence that the prosecution presents says he was, he killed him. He took a gun and killed him. And so as a critical thinker, the idea is, so if the evidence is there beyond a doubt, which is the standard that we're operating under. In other words, it's not a it's not a system of laws of men and women. It's a system of law. And the law says if there is a doubt, you acquit. And the reason is um, it puts a priority on people who are accusing somebody and wanting to take their freedom and life away and putting a premium on them to actually have the goods and the person who decides if they have the goods or not are the community Uh and the community says as a critical thinker they have to have the goods and if they don't have it then go out and find them and and come to us with an with a uh, charge when you have the goods and the alternative is if they, if a jury in the community doesn't insist on that using critical thinking, uh, then what happens is the system will go to that next jury and say, you know what, we really don't need the goods. Every jury that we've been in front of, we just say, look at this guy. He's a minority or, uh, or whatever, or he has a, a history of, uh, of stealing or whatever it might be and that's all we need so that's what happened in casey anthony she was she was low-hanging fruit mm-hmm. and so the reason i'm interested in the case is the jury did not like her it wasn't like they were a friend of hers or were sympathetic to her at all they said to the prosecution and the prosecutor jeff ashton was highly skilled he ran circles around the defense lawyer, Jose Baez, up one side and down the other. And um, there was no way an observer of the trial would think that the jury would acquit her, mm-hmm. but they did. And so I looked at the case as a journalist, investigative journalist who likes critical thinking, to say, okay, what does the evidence say now that it's all over? Now, nobody has a dog in the hunt. It's just like whatever was there. And it turns out that using critical thinking, the jury decided there was doubt that she had anything to do with her daughter's death. And there was reason to doubt that. Real reason. It's just that the prosecutors didn't care that there was real reason. And they made up some crazy theory uh, about chloroform and this and that, that had nothing to do with the reality of the evidence. And the uh-huh. jury said, you know, yeah, the jury said, you know what, you, you don't have the goods on her. And it's too bad that you don't for in terms of justice for the two-year-old daughter, but that's on you. 
my role is not to to create justice based on the attitudes I have going in. My my role is to apply critical thinking to the evidence um, that the judge told me I have to evaluate this person on. And I'm and we're doing that. And some of the jurors had to leave town. A lot, some of them lost their jobs. All of them were socially ostracized and they don't want their names publicized at all to this day. Mm. So I thought to myself, you know, I need to present the evidence in defense of, of, what, of what the system requires. And I'm using critical thinking to do it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like where I'm at on the story. <laughs> I think it's just so fascinating. And I think what's really cool is that, you know, you've used a, a logical approach as to how um, a jury can approach a situation if they will use critical thinking skills versus whatever is out there that a pundit is saying or you know, a particular, um, you know, belief system or something like that is going with that if you can step back far enough that you can actually look at it logically, then you might arrive at a different conclusion. But how many people actually do use critical thinking skills? And, I, and I'm thinking most people don't. Well, I mean, it's, uh, of course, in your world, you're a, um, uh, a, um, uh, psychotherapist analyst Mm -hmm. all right now so i mean you very much uh there's a premium for you to use critical thinking in your work and probably without getting a lot of credit for it because it's it's kind of slogging through these issues (laughs) yes and a lot of those issues are decades worth of beliefs that you know were inaccurate to begin with and you have to peel back the layers to get the aha, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've held on to this idea for 40 right. years or 50 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is so true. And that's that's why you do uh, kind of God's work in that sense of, uh, of peeling back uh, uh, pre-existing opinions, beliefs, uh, perspectives. And the reason uh, I think critical thinking is helpful is that is everybody gets to discover that, well, something has changed mm-hmm. that explains why these, these old beliefs don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. So the idea of women not being able to do a, quote, man's work uh, or, or not being, uh, uh, being able to, to use logic the way a, quote, man does, mm-hmm. those are old ways of thinking that that basically men promoted for in order to keep competition away from them, in my opinion. Well, I think and, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so that is, but so, so, and there are, you know, the older generation, a lot of women from that generation still have those beliefs. Uh, it's because they were raised, they just haven't, you know, been challenged. and. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, but the new generation is like, what are you saying? What are you talking about? That's, that's not me. And so um, a critical thinker would say, ah, I kind of like that. What they're doing is 
this new generation is applying critical thinking to that issue and and women are leaning forward and being equal like they should have been always and uh and and so good things happen as a result mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it makes your world easier i would think somewhat um i know that there are are certain like steps if you will to critical thinking <clears throat> whether it's political religious um you know uh, differences between males and females gender identity whatever it might be that people are talking about but i mean you the very first thing you have to do is identify the problem right so whatever the issue is you identify that to the best of your ability um the thing that I find that most people don't do if they're really looking at critical thinking is they don't want to take the time to do the research, the work. They would rather have somebody else tell them what to think as opposed to actually taking the steps to work through it themselves. Is that something that you find true? Well, I think um, what I discover in, in my world of in, as a kind of an investigative journalist is um, I use kind of two principles to make my world easy and to make my job easy. And one is that n I never overlook the obvious uh -huh. in talking to somebody about an issue, no matter what it is. It could be political, religious, personal, economic, um, uh, political, whatever. It doesn't make a difference. I never overlook the obvious. Uh -huh. And I listen to what isn't being said. Uh -huh. So those are my kind of two starting points. And I let them inform how I proceed. And that is, though, I let those, the answers to those questions or those principles inform me. And so even in that, so when I start out, I don't start out with a point of view. Um, I, so for example, in children, relationships with children who are uh, having discipline problems or school problems or or personal problems or social whatever it might be doesn't make any difference really to a critical thinker so i one of the things that that i would say in relationships between let's say a parent or a, a custodial uh, adult and a child is is to listen to what children are saying and, and, and listen to them with the idea of learning from them. Right. So all of a sudden, uh, the, the relationship is changed between an adult and a child from, from instructing the child, from disciplining them, from limiting them, from telling them what they have to do, from being a helicopter mom, to none, none of that is operative anymore. When I say, oh, I'm talking to this child. I'm going to, I'm going to learn from this child. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And what happens is uh, it, it, it puts my listening ear, ears on or the adults listening ears. And all of a sudden your mind is kind of clear of what you were going to do basically and make this child do. Uh -huh. And now you're learning. Oh, what is this child really saying? Exactly. Well, one of, one of the big uh, things with all communication, 
whether it's between two adults or an adult and a child or, you know, the employee and the employer, regardless of, of where that communication is taking place, is that we don't listen. We um, are hearing in order to respond. Mm -hmm. And that is totally different than truly listening. And there used to be an expression, I'm sure some of the listeners know this, that God gave us two ears so we would listen twice as much as we speak. Right. Because you know, we only have one mouth. But we have to put on, as you said, listening ears and listen from your heart as opposed to from your head. Because if you're always in critical thinking, then you're interpreting that information that you're hearing but you're not really listening. You're not listening to the person. You're not listening to the child. You're not listening to your boss. You're not listening to anybody other than your interpretation of the information that's coming through. I wanna take a couple of seconds here because our show is almost over and I love doing the show with you because it's always so informative. Um, but I want you to share where they can find your book when it is launched what the title of it is and everything. And also um, I believe you're teaching these critical thinking skills on LinkedIn. And so how can people take advantage of that as well? Sure, uh, uh, the title of the book is Zanny the Nanny. And um, uh, I like the title uh, so much because um, uh, of the I irony of the title and the narrator being somebody that the family created as a lie. Mm. And now she's revealing the truth. Right, right. And so, uh, and they can get it at my website, Journalist on Call. Okay. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn under Keith Long. And um, all they have to do is just, uh, you know, use the messaging, uh, direct messaging on LinkedIn for the critical thinking uh, instruction, which is free. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I welcome conversations about um, any subject, but critical thinking in particular, um, either by Zoom or uh, on LinkedIn. And uh, so I'm always open to conversations. I meet, um, I network a lot, and I initiate conversations with people I have never met, don't know who they are. And I will kind of almost always say, well, what do you do? And sometimes, <laughs> and I'm at a coffee shop and we're standing in line. I say, oh, I, I think I know what you do. You're, you're an entrepreneur or you're a uh, writer if it's in a creative environment. And, and then most of the time they'll say, well, yes or no, I actually do this. And then you have a conversation going. And then I, I leave my card and try to get their card and follow up with it. So what happens from that is it's, amazing the people that you're standing around and don't know and wouldn't talk to uh and just and discovering what's going on in their world all around you right right how fun is that it is and I, i'm not and it's totally non-judgmental and what i learn is that so i would size somebody up as is this or that let's say they've got old clothes on or they you know i don't know whatever and uh turns out they're entirely different <laughs> a lot of times people don't want you to know exactly who they are so yeah. they don't dress the part <laughs> very true <laughs> uh, thank you keith so much for being back on the show 
And um, I will um, have you back, I'm sure, you know, after the first of the year. But um, everybody who has heard the show today, please share it with others who maybe need to understand a little more about critical thinking and how useful it is and how it can benefit them in their personal life as well as professional life. And if you want to learn more about that, go to LinkedIn and look up um, critical thinking instruction, I believe is what you called it. So uh, under Keith Long on LinkedIn. And everyone, please go out there and make this your very best life. Take care. We'll see you next time. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.